Welcome to That's Orgasmic, a podcast discussing the orgasmic and not-so-orgasmic moments of all things sex, relationships, and mental health. I am your host, Emily Duncan, and I'm a sexologist who provides online sex coaching sessions to help you cultivate sexual wellness. Today, I am joined with Laura Lee, a psychologist working in Geelong at her private practice, Blue Space Psychology. So welcome to That's Thank Orgasmic. You. Thanks. Thanks. It's so nice to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here. And we're actually recording in person, which mm-hmm. is like so exciting for me because it's something I like never do. Yeah. Um, well, it's nice to have a sexologist friend in Geelong. Yes, literally. It's so literally, nice. 100%. And like actually just having connections in the... Mm sex positive world mm-hmm. um and having that in Geelong because mm-hmm. I feel like there's not much of it yeah. around well we met at Sexpo right yeah literally <laughs> literally I still remember like when you came up to me and because at first I didn't because I follow your Instagram blue space psychology oh and I just didn't put your face to the name because I yeah. feel like it's not just your face blasted all over it <laughs> and when you come to you and you're like oh are you Emily I was like oh somebody recognized me Someone a fan literally um it was so funny and then when you said I was like oh of course uh so I feel like that's such a nice way to like yeah meet and of course like sex not a yeah, perfect perf- literally perfect place to meet <laughs> so are you able to just first tell mm. the shaggers a bit about you and your practice and like types of clients you see stuff like that yeah sure so I work um on my own so I work for myself which is um so fun highly recommend um and I have been a psychologist for oh my god like 15 years Mm -hmm. or something um and I predominantly work I would say the majority of my clients are women and gender diverse clients um and I mostly work in the areas of um, trauma I do heaps of mm. trauma work a bit um oh and lots in the space of you know mood disorders depression anxiety a lot of my clients are neurodivergent which is a beautiful client group to work with um and I do a lot in the space of sex so yeah. talking about kind of sexuality sexual identity kind of sexual functioning anything to do with sex um and quite a bit in the body image space obviously yeah um they're kind of the bulk of my of my clients yeah um, are you finding that like are you getting people getting referred to you for the like sex area mm-hmm. or is it something that you're just finding people clients are just wanting to talk about more and more or they're mm-hmm. seeing it, like advertised on your like website and instagram yeah. that that's a something they can discuss yeah it's so funny it's been actually such a learning for me because I think I had originally had the assumption that people would know coming to psychologists, they could talk about anything. So I had kind of made the assumption that I didn't need to be really overt about, hey, we can really can talk about anything. This really is a sex positive space. And then more and more as I started to make that really part of my first conversation with clients, clients would be like, oh, cool. Well, now that you've said that, I actually really do want to talk about this other issue. Um, my, My... experience as someone who sees healthcare providers and who sees clients who see healthcare providers is that if a healthcare provider is not explicitly saying to someone you can talk about these things and and nothing is off limits yeah unless they're making that really clear there are so many things people just won't bring up so I am finding more and more as I really kind of create that space and invite those conversations people want to have them yeah and then of course as you know in Geelong you kind of build up a network and people start to get to know what you do and that helps with referrals that way too yeah of course Mm. of course yeah it's interesting I even think about like within my own personal therapy experiences being so scared to talk about certain things because Mm. I'm like oh my god what if what if she's gonna judge me or Mm. this and that like I'd get it's even stopped me from doing things in my not stop me in my personal life but say like going back to an ex being like oh my god (laughs) she's gonna judge me when I go in there but like it's so true that like you know they're also just like a healthcare professional they're yeah. they're not that invested in your life I feel like either <laughs> I don't know like yeah. we're certainly interested yeah. we're certain, no but I I really I really understand that experience actually of not feeling even if you like someone and you trust them and you might be talking to them about some other really personal things sex in particular is something that was you know we we're still not sure about in terms of 
is this a safe space to talk about it? What are this person's personal beliefs? Like we're still, I mean, as you know, we live in this really kind of sex phobic kind of culture still yeah where we're just not really sure if we can have those conversations no absolutely and i feel like it's just something that people really they really do need to be invited to talk about it and when they are invited often it's just they spill everything and they they have so much that they um have had to keep in i guess and haven't been able to discuss which i guess ties into this like body image because obviously body image has a massive impact Mm. on sex and how we view ourselves in a sexual relationship and just our whole experience whether we're present or you know in our heads like it's so many different things um how do you find the current conversations around body image are currently like because i feel like obviously Mm. it changes throughout time how is it currently i guess being experienced within your clinic yeah that's such a good that's such a good question i mean when we talk about body image i just want to be kind of make sure everyone understands what we're talking about i think body image is like the relationship we have with our body and everything that goes into that so our like our thoughts our feelings our beliefs our attitudes everything we kind of hold about our body so everyone has a body image we all have a relationship with our body and we all hold feelings about our body um and our body image is changing so actually one of the best ways i've heard body image explained is that we have multiple body images we don't have this one kind of static view of our bodies it changes it changes all the time it changes over life and it changes day to day i mean i'm sure you can like resonate with having had good days and bad days when it comes to body image the stuff that i'm hearing from clients at the moment is really around um this is a couple of kind of big key things definitely around um attractiveness and desirability Mm -hmm. so what are other people thinking of my body um particularly uh in romantic sense Um, but also in a comparison sense. So there's a lot of social comparison stuff that people do. So how does my attractiveness compare to the people around me, to my friends, that kind of stuff. Um, Media. Yeah, of course. I feel like social media is massive. That's a huge one. Um, So lots of kind of internalization of media messaging. Um, So when I say internalization, I mean kind of really taking on some of this stuff as truth and as absolutes. Um, in terms of how our body should look or um, what's attractive, which of course changes all the time. Um, and the other big thing that I'm seeing come up for people um, is really around kind of size and shape. Um, so size and shape concerns or um, kind of questions about, or trying to keep up actually, that would be a better way to put it, trying to like keep up with what we're being told is fashionable and desirable at that particular time. Mm. Um, so we know that changes. Yeah, of course. That changes it's all changed. the time. I feel like it changes every mm. every couple of years, yeah, to be it really honest. Does. It really does. And we've seen that change a lot. Like you think about kind of what's considered desirable in terms of body shape at the moment, and it's probably something kind of Kardashian. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, but I was a teenager in the 90s, and in the 90s, um, thin 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 heroin chic was what was really in and really fashionable and really desirable um the point is uh whatever is in is always designed to be unattainable it's always unattainable so they're the kinds of concerns that i see kind of coming up for my clients yeah i think that's a really Mm. important point that whatever is in is designed to be unattainable Mm. because i think social media has definitely had a negative impact in that it's Mm. made it seem like it's so much more easily attainable than what it actually is like there's no no more like the supermodels and us Mm. it's the supermodels and then also just an everyday person who starts posting on tiktok or instagram Mm. and then can get to that same level of being seen in a public eye or that same Mm. following um the same job opportunities all of those things just going from an ordinary person to that through mm. social media so i feel like it's kind of closed that i guess that gap that yeah. was there in yeah. our minds to be like reasonably okay they're a supermodel they're like well, that's not gonna happen now it's like oh well if i if i do this and i do that then maybe that's gonna yeah. happen yeah that makes sense that's such a great point actually mm. yeah it definitely feels like it should be should be achievable and I think that does really ramp up that feeling within a lot of people of like something must be inherently wrong with me if I don't achieve that yeah. ideal. Like it yes. must be a flaw. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like it definitely just it's just so hard. Mm. And I know I've experienced it so much myself. Mm. And then obviously taking 
it's hard enough just in day-to-day life dealing with those things and then you take it to an intimate setting Mm -hmm. and you instantly make all these assumptions about what they must want this or they must want that because you know that's what i'm seeing everybody else engaging with so therefore they have to want what this ideal is even though that completely be not true absolutely i mean i talk to my clients a lot about this at a kind of systemic level that inherently we are all living and functioning within this diet culture and diet culture is this kind of series of ever-changing uh myths about how our body should look and what we should look like and diet culture exists within a really inherently capitalist and sexist framework like diet culture exists to keep all of us in a permanent state of something's wrong with how I look something's wrong with my body so that we will spend money on solutions you know that I if I believe that my body or my appearance is a problem to solve then I will seek out and spend money on solutions and diet culture needs us to believe our problems oh absolutely our bodies sorry are a problem absolutely because like if we got rid of diet culture, mm-hmm. that industry would yeah. crumble. Yeah. They make so Absolutely. much money on us suffering and yeah. so much money on us trying to fit mm-hmm. these ideals that are constantly changing. Mm-hmm. And it's just, so I even think about myself, like I had mm-hmm. filler in my lips and mm-hmm. like getting my hair done. Like if it really didn't like mm-hmm. matter, mm-hmm. there's so much money I'd be, I would be yeah. saving and like yeah. everyone would be. Yeah. Even makeup. Like, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So I think, we all exist in that structure and it's okay that we spend that money. It's okay that we get our hair done, like you said, or get fillers or wear makeup or whatever it is. It's okay that we do those things. I hold so much compassion for all of us existing within that culture, but it's just, it's just really important to acknowledge that it's there. And it's actually when you start to notice it, that you kind of can't, you kind of can't unsee it. Once you start to notice what the marketing is like about things yeah. and the messaging we're all getting about how we should want to solve this problem. And actually, it's not okay if you like how you are. You should want to change something. You should want to solve a problem. Once you start to really kind of notice that messaging, you can't unsee it. It's No, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's literally everywhere. Yeah. Like everywhere. And even mm. like the word diet, like it's literally a temporary yeah. thing. So you go one way (laughs) and then you get to yo-yo back and like gain weight back or whatever your diet was to do. Like it's literally, they're not made to be forever because that's the point. They want you to keep coming back and doing the same thing. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, diets are inherently designed for most of us to fail them so that we will keep purchasing these yeah these mythical solutions yeah no Mm. absolutely Mm. so like what contributes to our perceptions of our bodies i feel like Mm. you've definitely touched on that when we're saying like social media and friends diet culture Mm -hmm. is there anything else that Um, contributes to that oh yeah our parents (laughs) yes oh my god i feel like that could be a whole podcast episode on itself (laughs) i feel like it could be too yeah i'm gonna say family of origin so basically whoever raised you and whoever you were around most people I know can recount examples of um, parents or someone mm. else significant in their upbringing, either making comments about their own body, about being on a diet, making kind of moral, kind of applying kind of moral values to food. So language around food being good or bad. Yeah. Um, and, and therefore ourselves being good or bad if we eat it. I think yeah. most of us have those kinds of examples from our family and from our upbringing definitely mm-hmm. i even think about christmas or easter mm-hmm. or anything everybody being like oh i've gained this much weight mm-hmm. or i need to lose this much yeah. weight or like oh like mm-hmm. feeling guilty about what they're eating like it's yeah. constantly conversations about weight appearance mm-hmm. i can even tell the difference between like if you've say you've lost weight before yeah. an event like that everyone's like oh you look so good yeah the comments are there the next year if you've gained <laughs> weight like yeah yeah, yeah, I think that's really important to acknowledge. A lot of us grew up, um, depending on obviously our upbringing and our age yeah. in terms of generational, but a lot of us grew up and still exist within a really fat phobic society. So there was messaging that a lot of us received that fat was to be avoided at all costs, mm. um, that it was the worst thing in the world and that you should be wanting to lose weight. And as you just said, that being kind of positively reinforced if you if you did end up in a smaller body at some point, there was messaging around oh, this is something to celebrate um, and always something to strive for. Yeah. So, yeah, family of origin, even, even as social media has shifted and our exposure to it has shifted, studies continue to show family of origin has the most significant impact on mm. our developed body image. 
Yeah, that doesn't surprise no, me at all. I feel like, like for most people listening, mm. you'd probably instantly have flashbacks to certain yeah. moments you told you shouldn't eat that. Even like pinching of skin. I know mm. people like, you know, they like pinch the fat on somebody or mm. being like, I don't know, you can't wear a crop top because mm. your gut's hanging out or suck your gut in. Like yeah. so many people suck their gut in. Yes. Like so many people walk around and are constantly trying to hold in their oh stomach. And, That's so true. Yeah. yeah. Or even just comments about other people. I think yes. a lot of... Even if nothing was said directly to us, I think a lot of us have examples we can recollect of someone saying, making a comment about someone else having lost weight or gained weight or look at that body or look at that person. And all of that contributes to our felt sense of what does this mean about the body I'm in? Mm, Absolutely. Mm. Is there anything else you think that contributes? I I guess the only other thing I would mention is that like life event, life stage. So I said before our body image is changeable. So um life events or life stage impact our body image so i'm talking about things like illness pregnancy aging Mm. stuff like that Mm -hmm. of Mm. course um i guess like bringing it body image tying it to sex Mm. how do you find that that like shows up during Mm. sex well we know we know body image really does have a significant impact on people's sexual functioning as well as sexual pleasure so we know body image can kind of intersect and interact with sex in a number of ways. So the first is like kind of overall sexual functioning. So when we talk about functioning, we're talking about all those stages of kind of sexual response, like desire, arousal, um, orgasm, Mm. but also like satisfaction and and pain really. And so many studies continue to show that people with poorer body image experience poorer outcomes across all those domains of functioning. So Mm. they're likely to experience difficulty with, sustaining arousal like achieving arousal but then sustaining it even achieving orgasm um they they tend to be people with poorer body image tend to um, be more likely to report pain during sex Mm, or discomfort interesting um which probably speak uh probably speaks to like some of the lack of arousal stuff yeah absolutely um people with poorer body image are also less likely to be confident around sex which i know sounds pretty obvious and it means that they're less likely to initiate it but it also means they're less likely to assert their needs so we know people with poorer body image are less likely to be able to say what they want and don't want what they like and don't like but also even to have conversations with sexual partners about things like contraception so it really has like a such a range of Mm. a range of impacts um the other one i wanted to mention though um and i just think it's going to be it's just such a huge one is around this idea of presence and mindfulness during sex so we know people who are experiencing kind of negative thoughts about their body, um, which are normally pretty intrusive if they're occurring during sex, are gonna it's gonna bring someone's attention really out of the present moment and away from what's happening and away from their body and it's gonna bring them into their head. And once someone is, you know, not as present during sex, um, they're really less likely to report satisfying sex they're less likely to achieve orgasm but they're also likely to experience difficulty with kind of responsiveness during sex which really can disrupt the connection so people with um kind of poorer body image tend to also experience difficulty with maintaining that connection during sexual activity so it really impacts everyone involved you know in the sex Mm, absolutely Mm. and i feel like it just it impacts every stage of sex Mm. like yeah Depending on when you've met this person, you could be in your head thinking about how does my body look when you first meet this person yeah. to if you've been in a relationship for a few years and you feel like your body's changed mm. and you know, getting aroused, certain sex positions is obviously mm. going to have a big impact, I feel like, because there's definitely times when people like see rolls on their stomach for instance and be like, oh my God, like yeah. they're going to be seeing me from this angle mm. and instantly like not want to have sex with me anymore mm. or not be attracted to me. Um, and then orgasm, obviously, because if you're in your head and mm. not in your body, just yeah. enjoying what's happening, like yeah. orgasm is so much harder to obtain. Mm. Um, mm. it literally impacts in so many ways. I did have a question pop up in my mind though, which yeah. I am just like an intrusive question. Like this has to do it. I have to ask, <laughs> which I felt like it's quite an obvious question, but what does good body image actually look like? Mm. But anybody who's listening is like, what does that actually, yeah, what does that look like? It's such a great question because I think people think of good body image um, as they think about it through the frame of kind of body positivity. Mm -hmm. So I think somebody who is struggling with their body image imagines that people with good body image 
are maybe going about their life feeling positively about all their body parts all the time. And that is not the case. I don't know anyone who feels positively about all of their body all of the time. One of the key distinctions, though, between someone who has poor body image versus really healthy body image is the the lack of tying it to their self-worth. So Mm. often people who experience difficulty... Um, with their relationship with their body it's inherently tied with their sense of self and i see in my clients when people are struggling with their relationship with their body there's usually some really painful core beliefs that they're struggling with around self-worth yeah around like i'm not good enough something's wrong with me i'm flawed or i'm defective in some way whereas people who've been able to foster a healthier um, body image it's they usually are able to separate it from those core beliefs um, they've often, but not always, had different family of origin experiences. But even though that's a predictor, people can have had, you know, really challenging kind of upbringings around body image stuff and still go on to do the work to develop really positive body image. Um, the other thing that's really kind of, um, <clears throat> that really stands out for me when I think about people who have a really healthy body image, I mentioned body positivity before, and I do think there's some. I do think body positivity has run into some problems as a yeah. movement. Um, people with really healthy body image are often more able, more easily able to access things like body acceptance or body neutrality mm-hmm. or body gratitude. Yeah. So those three concepts, acceptance, neutrality and gratitude, are more what I talk to my clients about rather than body positivity. Yeah. And so that looks like being able to practice some statements around like, you know, my body is like it's a it's the vessel that i live in it's not who i am and my body deserves respect all bodies deserve respect um i'm grateful for my body and what it does for me which might be related to certain things certain activities um uh, my body is okay as i am Uh, my body is just my home it's not who i am Mm -hmm. and so those kinds of statements or affirmations or however you practice them um I think are really, really helpful for people to build a relationship with their body that feels more achievable. I think body positivity is such a such a leap. Yeah. If you've gone, if you've been someone who has maybe hated your body or how you look for years, maybe decades, to imagine suddenly looking in the mirror and being like, I love all my body and I love my thighs and I love my stomach and I love this and I love that is just gonna feel so unrealistic. Yeah. But maybe it feels achievable to look at your body and be like, my body deserves respect today. Or I can touch this part of my body and infuse it with some compassion and some warmth today. And that might feel more attainable. Yeah. Mm. No. Yeah, definitely. Mm. I think that's such a great way of putting it. Um, Because body positively, I feel like definitely can seem so just unrealistic. Yeah. Especially if you're in a really bad place. Yeah. And I think also... I just know for myself personally, think like when first thinking of like good body image mm. before I guess trying to educate myself a bit mm. more and find like yeah, just I guess more education on it. Thinking that it's loving your body and being like, I look so hot, I look yeah. so good. But that's still yeah. so tied to your self worth. Yeah. Like it's still like I can look feel like I look so good one day, but I mm. know that that's not coming from a neutral place, that's mm. coming from a place of like I'm tying that to my self-worth and like mm. if I go out today I'm gonna feel like you know people are gonna respond to me different blah 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 yeah. and if I don't get that then maybe I actually don't look as yeah. good as I want and it will make me feel worse or if I have a day tomorrow that I don't feel as hot and sexy that yeah. therefore my worse my mm-hmm. worth is less yeah it's such a great point that if we can tie our body image to something that's kind of more internal and intrinsically us um, and that that validation can be found internally that's going to set the relationship with our body up for more success Mm -hmm. and if i think about kind of times in my own life where i have felt like my relationship with my body was at its strongest um it yeah just as you were saying it i was reflecting it wasn't really times when i was receiving validation from other people at all in fact the time that came to mind was when i could bench press the most yeah yeah like something about lifting weights yeah 100 (laughs) i'm feeling really strong and achieving something that was when i felt most in my body yeah. and the size of my body was really different to what it is now yeah. but it's still a time where i felt like most 
most grateful for my body and kind of yeah. felt like so much love for my body because mm. I was like, look at this cool, like strong yeah. thing she's doing. Yeah, absolutely. And she's and killing I, it. Yeah, I feel like that's a cool way to tie. Because mm. often exercise is used, not often, but it can be used as such a punishment or oh, such yeah. a way to, you know, obtain that body. But then yeah. to rewrite that to something of like this is what my body's actually capable of yeah. doing yeah feels so much more rewarding um, and i'm currently in my like mad weightlifting oh, stage cool. and i feel that so much like yeah, there's cool. no better feeling than getting there and being stronger than the week before and just yeah. being like oh, i'm such a bad bitch yeah. with these big weights <laughs> <laughs> or i'll have like it's kind of bad i'll have a guy next to me who's lifting less than me i'm like oh, i'm so much stronger than you <laughs> that is amazing like i'm such a beast yeah that's so cool oh my god yeah. i love that yeah that's, that's cool. fun mm. so i get how can we mm. begin to rewrite this relationship mm. that we have with our body image yeah yeah absolutely I guess, you know, I was saying before, like sometimes these kind of, these kind of core beliefs we have about ourselves and our bodies, they might've been around for a really long time. So I think it's really important to hold a lot of compassion for that, that Mm -hmm. if I've been looking in the mirror, telling myself that I don't like what I see for a really long time, then equally it's, it's going to take some work and some real commitment and some real compassion and love for ourselves to undo that. But there are some kind of really simple things we can all start to practice today the first thing I talk to all my clients about 100% of the time is a proper social media audit. Yes. And so, and it sounds obvious because people think about, yeah, okay, like I'll unfollow certain celebrities. Okay, like I'll stop following, I don't know, the Kardashians. I'm not having to go at the Kardashians, but it just keeps coming to mind as an example. Um, and we think about that. But actually, I really encourage people to go through everyone they're following on social media and truly think about how it's making you feel when that person or that page kind of comes up in your newsfeed. And really being honest with yourself about whether that's really helping you or hurting you. But the other thing I do is like, what can we add in? So not just what do we take out, but what do we add in? So I keep this list of like body diverse and and body neutral and body positive kind of social media pages for my, and I'm always like sending it to my clients to like check out these pages and follow these pages. Um, But the key thing about that is fill up your newsfeed, not just with stuff that makes you feel good, um, but with people who kind of look like you. So people who make you feel like you and how you look and your body are kind of represented because I promise you, no matter how you look, no matter, no matter, no matter what your appearance, no matter what your body shape and size, there are tons of people on social media who kind of look like you, who are posting fucking hot photos. Yeah. So fill up your newsfeed with those people so that you can look at bodies that look like yours and they look banging and you'd be like, fuck. It's like my body. Yeah, absolutely. Do that. Absolutely. So that is that is absolutely my number one thing in terms of rewriting relationship with body. Second thing, we kind of touched on it before, is really simply catching those negative thoughts that show up about our bodies and replacing them with something more neutral. And the neutral thing doesn't have to be related to the body part. So if I look in the mirror and I think, <clears throat> I don't know, I'm just going to make something up, and I think, oh, I hate my thighs – the statement I replace it with might not be, I love my thighs, but it might be, as we were talking about before, my body feels really strong today, or my body is my home, it's not who I am, or my body deserves respect today. And it's just that simple act of catching that really unhelpful, harmful statement and laying kind of that new neural pathway with something a bit different. This is all neural pathway stuff. It kind of yeah, speaks absolutely. to Yeah, it kind of speaks to like the neuroplasticity of the brain, right? Which is so exciting, which is that we really can at any age start to lay new neural pathways. We really can. Mm. Which mm. is so cool. And it takes work, like it's, yeah, it's hard work. Yeah, it really is. Well, it's kind of like digging a trench, right? So like if you think about kind of I don't know a lot about like digging trenches, but if you <laughs> if you think about like digging a trench, at first when you dig the ground will be hard and dry and really tough to get through and it might take like a lot of goes and you might feel like you are like banging away at that ground for ages and you're barely making a dent. But eventually you break through, eventually the soil is damp and loose and suddenly all of a sudden you feel like you're really making inroads and you can really dig meters down with ease that was so much easier than those first few centimetres and you can really make a change. That's Mm. what laying new neural pathways Mm. is like. That at first it will be hard work and you'll be saying these things to yourself in the mirror and you'll be like, this doesn't really feel much different yet or this feels fake or this feels hard. And then one day you'll just be like, oh, 
I haven't kind of had those negative thoughts for a while or I didn't think that today and oh, I haven't thought it for a few days or whatever it is. Yeah. That's what it's like laying new neural pathways mm. is consistent work, but it really does get easier. No, absolutely. And mm. I feel like even just becoming aware at the start because mm. it's when you're not just aware of your thoughts, like yeah. it, you have these negative thoughts so often and half the time you don't even know you're having them. No. Like it just it just comes in and you allow it to be there mm. and have the impact that it's having. Yeah, yeah. And I know there's been a few times, at least in my life, when mm. I've gone to rewrite thoughts and I'm like, holy shit, like yeah. I am saying this all the time. Yeah. And the more I say it, the more it's coming up. Yeah. And we're like thinking it, like I just you don't even realise. I feel like For becoming sure. aware is such a big first yeah. first step, I guess. Yeah. And then yeah trying to rewrite that but it mm. does it does work mm. it takes time but it does work it and really I does feel work. like it definitely is um yeah it's such an important thing yeah. to do especially for social media too i love that i've done that multiple times now mm. um and even just people who maybe i even went to like high school with, yeah, yeah who it's like they actually add no value to my life <laughs> i really don't care what you're doing with your life yeah. but seeing your body mm. there's been a few people i have noticed that i'm like oh that actually i start to put myself down after seeing yeah. photos of you and like you actually don't add any value to my life so there's no need to actually have you in my feed mm-hmm. um i found that even myself because my first thought when i did my first cleanse was celebrities because yeah. i was like well they're the unattainable ones yeah. they're the ones that i need to get rid of um and then obviously followed people who i felt were aligning to my body image mm. but even then i feel like i had to really think about who actually does align and not just people who uh plus size for instance yeah, because yeah. sometimes even like the plus size people are making me feel shit because some plus size bodies it's mm. just i don't know they've got these great big tits and ass yeah. and stuff yeah. but it's just like well yes you're a, you're a curve model yeah. but my body doesn't look like that yeah. if you know what i mean yeah. so like actually being like conscious of no i really need to pick people who are mm. making me feel good not just people yeah. who don't fit the maybe the current exact beauty standard that's so true Mm. yeah and that's why i think it is really so important to yeah find those places where you feel uh seen and Mm. represented yeah that's so important you want to be seen yeah Mm. definitely so how can we enjoy sex more Mm. when we maybe have a poor body image Mm. um or currently struggling with that yeah well like really exciting because we definitely can um Firstly, uh, without a doubt, as with most things with sex, it starts with ourselves and on our own. Mm -hmm. So I definitely find um, people who are struggling with their body image showing up in terms of sexual intimacy because they've spent so much time being distracted by it and so much time in their head, as we were talking about before, they're often not well connected to their bodies. And if we're struggling with being present when we're with a sexual partner, then the best place to always practice is on our own. So I really, really encourage people to start with themselves. And that looks like a couple of things. Firstly, without a doubt, start connecting with your body sensually as well as sexually. So what I mean by that is that when you are on your own, engaging in any kind of solo touch or masturbation, engage your senses do the stuff you might do if you were having like a special first time with a sexual partner, do that stuff for you. Like wear the lingerie, light the candles, do the playlist, do all of that stuff, engage your senses so that you can actually kind of relearn what does my body even fucking like? Like what does it even respond to? Because if we're in our heads about how our bodies look, then we've definitely lost touch with like what our body's actually like. So engage with ourselves um, spend that time engaging with our senses on our own while we touch ourselves. Um, take sexy photos, do all of that kind of stuff that you do on your own, but put that effort into it. Like treat your body um, as special and as sexual and as desirable. The other thing though that I really like to kind of talk to people about from a body image point of view, um, and it can be something you do whether it's kind of related to sex or not is around this idea of building compassion with your body so and what often shows up for people sexually is if there's a particular body part they are self-conscious of it usually is really triggering if it's touched during Mm -hmm. sex so there's a lot of avoidance around that body part which means for people there's often a lot of hypervigilance so let's say i'm really self-conscious about 
I'm going to say thighs again. Poor thighs are getting like a bad, like in a hard time today. It's just the example that's coming up. So if I'm feeling really like self-conscious about my thighs, for example, then it might be a body part that I'm really hypervigilant about if my sexual partner touches them or sees them or if they move anything at all. So I really encourage people to spend time on their own connecting with that body part. And that looks like touching that body part, um, maybe using toys with that body part, um, running fingertips all over it, running fingernails, um, touching it with more pressure, less pressure. Um, but there's a really lovely, simple exercise you can do. Um, maybe we can like share it in the notes. Yeah. There's this lovely exercise. It's kind of from acceptance and commitment therapy. So Dr. So Russ Harris, who's kind of like the godfather of ACT in Australia, he has this beautiful script that I often do with clients called the compassionate hand. And it's, it's, you can use it when there's a body part you're not comfortable with, when there's pain, whatever there is. And it's this exercise, this beautiful kind of guided exercise where the idea is you take your hand and you hold your hand on this part of your body where there's pain, physical, emotional, whatever it is. And you really take the time to kind of imagine this hand being the hand of someone that you, that is kind, that is warm, that is compassionate. And you feel all this kind of warmth and compassion flowing from all your fingertips and from the palm of your hand into that part of your body that's in pain Mm -hmm. and you imagine the warmth flowing through from your hand kind of loosening up that pain making space for that pain and i talk to people about doing this through a body image lens because often we've engaged in so much avoidance of the body parts we don't like you know we'll cover them up we won't even look at them in the mirror and we sure as fuck won't touch them yeah so kind of practicing holding your hand and imagine infusing that part of your body through your hand with all this beautiful warmth and compassion and kindness and just breathing through it and just noticing your hand on that body part even those kinds of really lovely exercises can be enough to start to shift some of that activity in the brain because the brain has become so hyper alert to any attention paid on mm. that body part so when you're alone and you can practice kind of touching and connecting with that body part it's not going to be such a preoccupation when it comes to being with a partner so i think that can be really yeah. helpful when we're on our own no I love that and I think it's often we actually stop and connect to our bodies like that so I think that's a nice way to try and connect and rewrite it for yourself yeah um yeah absolutely and even just in a soft and gentle way and even like in a pleasurable way too Mm. I feel like that's especially when there's something that you don't potentially like so you don't like about yourself yeah it's not often that you're therefore going to then go and tap into that in yeah. a pleasurable way because yeah. you're often just trying to like hide it yeah. or you don't want it to be there at all yes. so I think that's um that's like yeah such a great way to do yeah. it I've even found obviously you'd have to work your way up to it mm. but if like masturbating in front of a mirror yeah definitely because like yeah obviously it can go one or two ways you might look and be like oh my god when I <laughs> orgasm my face or is like, that my face yeah, when I like, orgasm yeah for sure you see certain things but yeah. you can definitely build it up to a way that you mm. feel hot and sexy and can appreciate how your body looks yeah um and even just becoming aware like it's not often you see your vulva when it's all engorged full of blood and you know maybe a bit more pink or whatever color like it's not often you actually can see that and watch it happen and see how touching yourself can change your body absolutely and we often don't get to see ourselves that way yeah and so away so you know, as you said, working up to that, of course, is important. And even I even get people to do things like kind of touch their bodies in certain ways and just watch how their body reacts in a mm-hmm. mirror. So it might even be like um, touching themselves and their hairs on their arms stand up or their breath kind of changes. And you can kind of see that in the mirror. Um, your nipples might harden. Um, whatever it is, certain muscles might tense. Yeah. Whatever it is, even just observing your body kind of just objectively having an arousal response um, can be really helpful. It can be really lovely to observe our bodies in this way that we never have before. Mm. And it's not even about, it's not even about kind of like whether we like what we see. That's not what it's about. It's just kind of like, it is really beautiful to have this kind of sexual arousal response and to watch our bodies kind of respond to touch in that way. Like, yeah. it's really cool. No, absolutely. Mm. It is cool. We don't take the time to do that nah. ever. Even when it often comes to sex or masturbation, like, mm. you rush 
yeah you rush to it yeah um, especially masturbation i feel like yeah. you rush straight to your clitoris <laughs> or penis whatever it yeah. is you're just like straight to it yeah. like like let's get to let's, orgasm let's do it how yeah. quickly can i do this and like yeah. you don't have the time and the patience yeah so of course then all the focus isn't anywhere else in your body yeah. so then when you're having partnered sex the spotlight mm. is all of a sudden on all of these other parts mm. of your of your body yeah um so i guess taking that time to really cherish your body and then i guess if you're doing it in a way that's also just observing what's happening it's probably that bit more neutral response of like this is what's actually just a like a sexual arousal response absolutely um something we kind of i guess we didn't really talk about earlier when we're talking about body image and sex is genital self-image is kind of a really big part of of body image and sex as well so when you were saying that about like um potentially masturbating in front of a mirror and seeing how your genitals change as you become aroused and stuff. I think that's a really important point. When it comes to genital self-image and sex, we know that um, penis and vulva owners have a lot of different concerns about how their genitals look, smell, taste, and that can be hugely distracting for people. So being able to kind of expose yourself, if you Mm. like, to your genitals in that way um, might feel really foreign but it can be really, it actually can be really demystifying and really helpful. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And yeah. even just like, I mean, it can be hard, but trying to find like porn that yeah. aligns more, listening to conversations like this. I know yeah. that for some people, especially like vulva owners, because mm. you often only see one type of vulva oh, in porn that like, yes, you can have labia that, yeah. you know, is longer or... Yeah. Um, labia can be so different in terms of yeah. colour and shape and size and protrusion mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. of those things. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. absolutely. And then obviously with penises too. I've yeah. seen that so many times mm. in like where in movies, friends, mm. personal experiences mm-hmm. where penis owners are just so concerned mm-hmm. with yeah. their penis and not thinking it's big enough, even though there's so many one other ways that you can experience pleasure yeah. and two, often like people being penetrated don't want the biggest yes. the biggest penis that there yeah. is because it's painful. Yeah, that's not what it's about when yeah. it comes to pleasure for yeah, for anyone being penetrated. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's yeah. so interesting. Oh, it is interesting. It's so I think it's such an important point that you raise about kind of um, exposure to different bodies. I think the other thing I really love to be able to educate clients around is where they can access getting exposed to different kinds of bodies Mm -hmm. so um that means sure consuming social media um but also things like yeah consuming ethical pornography where you can watch different kinds of bodies and different kinds of people and different kinds of relationship structures experiencing sexual pleasure um away from you know mainstream pornography yeah yeah i think that's so important i think that's so important yeah it definitely is Mm. and um even just like there's so many different resources out there yeah. now, but um, what's her name on Instagram? Comfortable in my skin. Comfortable in my skin. Yeah, yeah. like great like photos you can go flick through. Yeah, yeah. Vulvas, penises, boobs, yeah, like, whole lot. Because obviously we tie so much to these parts of our bodies, yeah. and then they're obviously tied to sex. Yeah, but they're also something that we don't get to see often. No. So yeah, obviously when you don't get to see it, it's gonna feel like. If yours feels different, you're going to think that's even more like obscure yeah. or even yeah. more out there. you are. There. You're going to yeah. be really self-conscious, particularly if you're having um, partnered sex or someone else is seeing your body. You're going to be so self-conscious if you think that there's a feature of your body that's um, unusual or different or not good enough or whatever it is you've tied to it, when of course that's not the case mm-hmm. at all. And I often refer people to, yeah, resources like Comfortable In My Skin, you know, where you can visit Ellie's website where Ellie has photographed hundreds, if not thousands, of vulvas and penises mm-hmm. and breasts. Um, and I don't know if I told you this, that I had Ellie photograph my breasts at Sexpo the day I met you. Yeah, I think you did, yeah, actually. Yeah. No, I think you did. I, I, oh, I, you said you were going mm. to do it? And I did. I yeah. did. And I, had, I did it because um, I really had this idea of, like, somebody one day might have breasts that look like mine, might be feeling some type of way about them and might go to Ellie's website and see my breasts and be yeah. like, fuck, like hers look like mine and yeah. maybe I yeah. am normal stuff. And so I just I just had this idea of that being so cool of like being part of that movement. 
Is there any other ways that you think it's important to touch on when it comes to like enjoying mm. sex more? Um, yeah. So two things, just building, definitely building our capacity for mindfulness. Yes. So yeah, yeah definitely being able to mm. practice that skill. So when I use that word mindfulness, really like in its simplest terms, it literally means just bringing your attention to something, doing something mindfulness, sorry, doing something mindfully, doing something purposefully. And you can practice that skill all over the place. Yeah. There's so many things that we don't do mindfully that we could do. So a really simple example that I often get clients to start with um, is brushing your teeth. So often you're brushing your teeth and you're doing something else or you're thinking about something else. You could be turning lights off mm-hmm. or, you know, getting ready for bed or Scrolling you could be in the shower. <laughs> yeah, definitely could be on your phone or you're just daydreaming. Yeah. So I talk to people about for the two minutes you're brushing your teeth, just do it mindfully. Just bring your attention to it. Notice the senses. Notice how the toothbrush feels in your mouth, notice the taste, notice the noise, just bring your attention to your senses for two minutes. Most people find this task actually pretty tricky. Two minutes, it feels like a long time. People say to me, I got distracted 50 times. I'm like, that's okay, like that's all part of it. But practice doing things mindfully. The other thing we can practice doing mindfully that we often don't do mindfully is eating. Mm. So most of us are eating and doing other things. So again, just practice, even if it's just a few mouthfuls, just practice noticing all the different senses that are engaged as you taste the food, as you smell the food, as you see the food, as you feel it in your mouth. Practice that mindfulness skill and it will serve you so well in lots of areas of your life, including sex. Mm-hmm. Because once we're distracted, once our in, we're in our head, that's when all like all the best parts of sex go out the window. We miss the connection. We miss our body response. We miss pleasure like we just yeah. we fucking miss out once we're in our head we're missing out on like the really good parts yeah no absolutely mm. i think there's such a difference between being present and not being present to even just the extent like something can feel good mm. and then you actually tap in yeah. and then something can feel amazing yeah. even like people who struggle to orgasm you can mm. go from something feeling good to oh my god i'm having an orgasm yeah like it yeah. can make such a difference like you're yeah brain is literally so powerful like obviously it's the biggest sexual organ but it is just so powerful and Mm -hmm. being mindful i think is such a great great way to do it and i think what you said is so true like starting obviously starting outside of the bedroom Mm. because it's going to be so hard to try and learn something new Mm. and refocus your attention when you're in the context of having sex there's already so much going on and then you know you don't want to be beating yourself up of like oh i can't do this well or i can't can't focus or i'm too worried about this or being worried about the mindfulness when you should just be trying to enjoy what's Mm. happening Mm. so like trying to practice it throughout other contexts so it's easier when you're in that context i think that's such a good point and it will come easier if you practice pardon the pun i enjoyed that pun actually (laughs) um but it really will and so i agree with you practicing outside the bedroom we talked before too about catching kind of unhelpful thoughts and replacing them with something kind of more neutral or positive and i definitely encourage this during sex um and again it can be really unrelated my negative thought might be oh god like i don't like how my stomach looks like this and the positive thought that you might if you catch it and replace it might be like fuck it's feeling really good when they kiss my neck like this so you don't have to replace it with like I love how my stomach looks but it might be like fuck there's something else going on that feels really good that I want to pay attention to so I really encourage people if they notice themselves coming into their head and they're finding it hard to get back into the moment is to bring your attention to something that's happening that is feeling really positive and just take a sec to really focus on that and that'll bring you back yeah Yeah. Yeah. no I love that that's great advice the Um, only I just want to mention one other thing fundamentally if you are having sex with another person they want to be there yeah like they want to be there it's not like you've taken your clothes off and they're like whoa 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 this isn't what i signed up for they want to be there they want to be in that moment with you Mm -hmm. um if they are fucking you it's because they want to fuck you and uh they want to be there and they are not thinking anything like what the story is in your head yeah absolutely absolutely not no um yeah that's a great point Mm. very great point and i know Mm. i'm the same whenever i've had sex with anybody there's not not a single time that i'm thinking about what their body looks like no No. and you've never gotten a big shock like you already have a rough idea (laughs) like (laughs) like, even if you've seen the clothes you already roughly know what you're getting into oh it's not like they take their clothes off and you're like whoa 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 this isn't what i did that come from no oh my god that 
It's so true though, because I feel like for so many people, they have this fear of, okay, yeah. So we've gone on a date and we're sitting yeah. there, and it's like, oh my god, but like, what if they realize like how fat I am? Like, what if they realize that my exactly. clothes come off? Yeah. Like obviously, and they're like, oh, is could, this your body shape? Obviously, yeah. you can tell looking at someone roughly what's yeah. gonna be coming on yeah. under the clothes. Like, <laughs> maybe there's a scar here or there yeah. that you weren't expecting, but exactly. when it comes to body size, yeah, everybody knows what they're getting into. But there's yeah. just such this like it like fear of yeah. oh my god they're gonna take my clothes yes. off and be horrified yeah. that mm. i am not in fact you know a size whatever <laughs> yeah. i was trying to make yeah. myself look like i was i know i um, know it's so funny isn't it this, like the stories we tell ourselves that are just not what's going on for the yeah. other person at all if you have you know if you have the language if you have the trust it's really okay to tell your sexual partner too if there's something mm-hmm. that you're struggling with do you know i have um I have quite a few scars on my stomach. Um, I've had a number of sur- abdominal surgeries. I've had four surgeries in the last 10 years. And I'm my biggest body insecurity is these scars on yeah. my stomach. I really, I really have struggled with them. And I still don't have a great relationship with them, but I'm working on it. And I told a sexual partner um, that I was feeling that way. Yeah. Um, and his response was everything you could have hoped for in terms of kind of reassuring me um touching those scars really gently infusing them with all the lovely kindness and compassion that i talked about before making me still feel so kind of safe and accepted and um but not dismissive of it do you know what i mean yeah Yeah. it wasn't like this sense of like nah, fuck it they don't matter it was like he really heard me and then treated that part of my body with such kind of tenderness and compassion and all of my stuff about those scars just went yeah. away. Oh, that's lovely. Mm. It's so lovely when somebody does something like that and mm. genuinely cares. And it's mm. just like, it can be such a simple yeah. thing that has such a profound impact on you. Yeah. Like, it really, I feel like doing something like that doesn't actually take that much effort. Yeah. But to actually go to do that, yeah. it's just, it's such a yeah. such a big impact. Yeah, it is. It's yeah, beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you had that experience. Mm, I'm glad yeah. too. Yeah. It was a good experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also do want to touch on using sex for validation mm. because I think when we are feeling negatively about mm. our bodies, often we can try and go to being sexual as a way of validating ourselves mm. or feeling like, you know, sexy or, um, you know, that we are good enough, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I guess I just want to first touch on like, I guess is it okay to some extent to be doing this? Because obviously we're never going to escape getting validation yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the problems that are actually associated with doing mm-hmm. that. Well, I guess firstly I just really want to kind of make it so normal and human to have sex for lots of different reasons. Yes. Like we have yeah. sex because we're horny and we feel like it. We have sex because we're bored. We have sex because we want to connect with someone. We might have sex to repair a rupture, like after a fight, like makeup sex. Uh, we might do it for connection. Um, we might do it for fun. We, we might do it to experiment. We might do it to escape. And we definitely sometimes will do it to get a bit of a self-esteem boost, right? So I just really want to kind of acknowledge that when we have sex, there are lots of different drivers. And I don't form any judgment about that. It's not about whether that's okay or not. It's just, it's part of the human experience that all our behavior that we all engage in day to day is fulfilling some need or serving some purpose. When it comes to having sex for validation, the challenge we might run into is that anytime we do anything where we seek validation outside of ourselves, we're essentially setting ourselves up to lose. And the reason I say that is because one day, many days, not just one day, many days, a source of external validation won't be there. Yeah. And if we haven't kind of built some of the the skills and the resources and the toolkit within ourselves to be able to give ourselves that validation and kind of really give ourselves what we need, then we're going to run into trouble. We really are setting ourselves up for failure. So... I do really encourage people that if they notice they are engaging in a pattern of having sex to meet some external need, I'd talk to them about kind of asking themselves some key questions around that sex um, and around that moment in their life around what was actually the need I was trying to fulfill Mm. and what are some ways that I could have or could next time fulfill that need within myself. Yeah. 
The other reason it can become problematic is kind of how it leaves us feeling. That's probably the other thing I see in clients, but also I have lived experience and I'm sure you can relate to where you've kind of felt pretty crappy about yourself after having sex. And I fundamentally believe that sex is one of the times, if not the time when we should feel the most human. It should feel really human to have sex. And sex should ultimately leave us feeling more human, not less human. Mm-hmm. And if you are feeling less human, less connected, um, less worthy, whatever it is, then it is, it is really important to be asking yourself some questions around what was driving that sex for me and what are some ways I could meet that need within myself instead. Yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah, no, definitely. Mm. And I think... There's such a good way to look at it, like how can I meet this need in other mm. ways instead of using this yeah. this person or partners to yeah. to do that for yeah. you. Yeah. Do you have, I guess, any advice then trying to say you're having sex mm. because you're feeling insecure about your body mm. and you're wanting this person to make you feel good about your body, mm. trying to meet that need in a different way? Mm. Yeah. I think doing some of the work we've talked about yeah. today. Um, but I also just really encourage people again to come it's kind of like this mindfulness stuff we were talking about before that if you find yourself reverting to some behaviors or some patterns of behavior like you know texting certain people that you know you should (laughs) that you know will come around and all that kind of stuff really kind of just giving yourself the gift of just a second just pausing and asking yourself and really checking in with yourself about like what's actually what's actually really driving this behavior here the really interesting thing about Um, behavior particularly when it comes to interpersonal behavior like with other people is that often we're trying when we engage with people in this way we're trying to meet a need and when the behavior doesn't kind of happen for us we might become upset about that because of the meaning we've attached to the behavior Mm -hmm. the need we're trying to fill so what i mean by that is um if I go to initiate sex with a partner, for example, and they reject me, I might be really upset about that, but I'm not upset about the rejection of sex. I'm upset because of the meaning I've attached to the, what the rejection is. So what I've interpreted the rejection to mean. Yes. That's what's making me upset. So that is really important to tap into. If I'm having sex, what's really the meaning I'm attaching to this sex and to this person and to this encounter? And being really honest with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So I think that's kind of our first, that's our first kind of giving ourselves a chance, if you like, of being able to then make a different choice. Yeah. Because I feel like we don't often do that. No. I don't think you often sit down and think, why am I having this sex? Why am I wanting this specific sex Mm. right now? Like, Mm. what is driving this? Mm. Um, I feel like we often don't don't ever sit to reflect and think about that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And also, but also, like I said, also holding compassion for ourselves. If you go, if you do text that person because you are feeling like a bit lonely or a bit bored or whatever, and you afterwards are like, I probably could have done something else with those emotions. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Like we're all human. Um, so holding compassion for the decisions we're making, but being willing to be really honest with yourself about there comes a time where a pattern I'm engaging in or a behavior that I'm engaging in might actually be harming me or hurting me rather than helping me. Yes. Yeah. And that's yeah. really important to check yeah, in with ourselves. Definitely. Yeah. Is there anything else on this topic that you want to touch on? Just really, I just really kind of, I mean, it's a, it probably could be like a whole separate conversation, but just this idea of compassion for ourselves that we're all human. Everyone has had days and will have days again where they don't feel great about their bodies or, um, they have a sexual experience where they don't feel great about how they look or whatever it is. Like this is all part of the human experience. And the goal here isn't perfection. Like we were saying before, the goal isn't to like love all parts of your body every day, but it's just about, can I kind of build this relationship with myself that is kind and compassionate and has more moments of kindness than not. Mm -hmm. And that that's all any of us can strive for. It's all I strive for. Yeah. I'm the same. Definitely. And I feel like you, you know, you're obviously going to have your good moments, but they're temporary too. Yeah. And you're going to have your bad moments and they're temporary yeah. as well. Like you're just going to enjoy the, I just sit with it and enjoy it if it's enjoyable. Yeah. Um, but then also just know that like whatever's you're currently feeling, it can literally change in a second yeah. or a minute. Anything yeah. could happen. Like it changes yeah. so quickly. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It is all temporary. It's so yeah. true. Yeah. So I would love to know mm-hmm. what is something that is orgasmic to you? 
oh, this is so easy for me. I'm so clear on what's yeah. orgasmic for me. Um, if you've ever talked to me on a dating app, I have yeah. talked to you about enthusiasm. Enthusiasm, enthusiasm yeah. is orgasmic to me. My biggest turnoff is whatever the opposite of that is, apathy, indifference. Like I just, it's not hot. Mm-hmm. Enthusiasm is hot. If you're into, if you're into me, like tell me, want me, desire me, because I will definitely do the same if I want someone and desire them. Yes. So, um, if you are like listening to this and you want to tell someone something, whether it's just a friend that you love them or a family member, or you want to tell someone you've got a crush on them, or you're sleeping with someone and you want to tell them how fun it is to fuck them, like fucking tell them like yeah. life is too short. And I just, people are spending so much time playing it cool. And I just yes. like, so many people oh my God, it cool. I can't with playing mm-hmm. it cool. I can't anyway. Like I just can't do it. Yeah. It's not in me. I'm too impatient. Don't play it cool. And when someone doesn't play it cool with me and it's just like, I want you, I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. orgasmic to me. Amazing. Mm. Well, thank you so much for coming on and mm. sharing all of your knowledge and insight on this topic. I know that it's going to reach a lot of a lot of people who definitely need to hear this conversation. So thank you so oh, much. Oh, my pleasure. It's yeah. been so fun. Thank yes. you for having me. Um. So also, where can the Shaggers, like, do you take on clients, oh, find yeah. you, your practice? Yeah. So my practice is Blue Space Psychology. What do we have? We have a website, which is just bluespacepsychology.com.au. And we have Instagram and we have Facebook of the same name. And so you can definitely reach out via my website um, if you're interested in accessing our services. Um, But definitely check out our socials. I post lots of stuff about this kind of topic and and heaps of other things. Yeah, amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. (gasps)